Okay, let's pray and ask God to meet us in his word this morning. Lord, thank you for your love for us in giving us the scriptures and thank you that we can open up and read your very words now. I need your help, Lord, as, as I, I always do, to have the right heart and to have the wisdom I need and the words that you want me to have. So help me to be clear in explaining what your Holy Son taught 2,000 years ago, Sermon on the Mount. And as we're talking about prayer, I ask that each one of us would leave here today captured at what prayer is and what you promised to do through prayer and that we would all take steps ahead in our prayer lives because of what we are going to be looking at in your word now. So come and move with power, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. Let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Looking at verses 7 through 11. And if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We are passionate about studying the scriptures here. We want you each to have a copy of the Bible so that you can look on as we study the very words of God spoken through Jesus, God's Son, here in Matthew 7, 7 through 11. So raise your hand, be bold if you need a Bible. Matthew 7's on page 812 in the Bibles we're passing out right now. Now, when I first became a follower of Jesus, I really did not see the importance of prayer. Um, Because I I thought God was going to do what he was going to do pretty much whether I prayed or not. I thought, what's the point? You know, so why? And so I I really didn't pray very much. Um, And when I did, it wasn't with much passion or meaning. I mean, it was, when I did pray, it was kind of general, vague prayers so I wouldn't feel guilty. Okay, because you're supposed to pray, so okay, I prayed. But then, God in his mercy started to, to bring about change in me. And one of the passages that he used to transform my understanding of prayer is this passage we're going to be looking at today, the next passage in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Because what this passage showed me was, first of all, that, that God in his sovereignty has chosen to have our prayers make a difference in what he does. He's chosen in his sovereignty to have our prayers move his heart to do the things he's purposed to do. So our prayers do make a difference in what the God of the universe does. It's huge if you stop and think about it. The second truth I saw from this passage, which has motivated my prayer life, is that whenever you ask God to to work, to do something, he will always give you either exactly what you're asking for or something even better, which you probably wouldn't have had had you not prayed. So those are the truths I want you to see from this passage. So let's look at what Jesus taught, Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Here's what he said, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, If his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. 
If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Powerful passage that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago. So what is Jesus calling us to do in this passage? He's calling us to do something. And what is it? Look at verse 7 again. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. We're to ask and seek and to, and, and to knock. All those words describe prayer. He's calling us to pray here. Prayer is when you ask God to do something. Prayer is when you seek something from God. Prayer is like you're walking up to God's front door. Father, Father. Okay, so he's calling us to ask, to seek, and to knock. He's calling us to to pray here. Now, before we go on, Jesus is assuming some things about those who pray. And I want to share with you four assumptions that are essential, except for the fourth one is a maybe, but the first three are essential to prayer. The first one is this. We must pray in Jesus' name. Okay? You can jot this reference down. I think it's actually in your notes. Jesus says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So we must ask in Jesus' name. Now, why is that? It's because... You can't get access to God if you come in your own name. If you ask God in your name, if you think you're good enough or spiritual enough to be worthy of an audience with God, when, if, if I came to God and, and thinking I'm good enough, God frowns. Okay? I mean, I know me. Okay? He frowns. He, right? And he's right! He is holy and just. And if we think we can come to God in our own name, we cannot. But if we will admit the truth of that and humbly trust Jesus Christ, trust the the name of Jesus, Jesus, the one who died on the cross to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins, and as you trust him, you know that he clothes you in his perfect righteousness. And then if when you pray, you come in Jesus' name, I'm not good enough. I do not deserve this. I never will. But I'm coming trusting your holy sons, his death to pay for my sins, his righteousness to clothe me. God smiles when you come that way. He says, I'm so glad you came. He's running towards you when you come in Jesus' name. So I hope you make sure you all get this. You cannot come in your own name. Now, this is good news for some of you because some of you probably have hesitated to pray because you thought you weren't good enough. Right? beautiful truth. You just come poor in spirit, first line to the Sermon on the Mount, remember? I've sinned. Help me. I trust you. I need you. And then you're coming in Jesus' name by those very words, by that very hard attitude, and the Father's smiling. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, got to pray in Jesus' name. Secondly, we got to pray with full surrender. Psalm 66, 18 says this. If I had cherished loved iniquity, sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. Now this doesn't mean you have to be perfect to have God hear you because none of us are and we won't be until heaven. Okay? But it does mean we need to have no area of sin that we are knowingly clinging to. Knowingly holding back from him. We've got to be surrendered. That's, that's cherishing iniquity in our heart. 
Now again, it's not that you need to overcome every sin, okay? But it's that every area of sin you've said, Jesus, help me. I want to be freed from this. I lay this at your feet. Help me to fight against this. If that's your heart, you're in. If your heart is, I I love this area of sin. I want to cling to this area of sin. It's not going to hear. So you've got to pray with full surrender. Do you understand that that doesn't mean you have to be perfect? I'm not hearing any responses here, okay? But you need to be surrendered. Huge difference there. Third, we must pray according to God's general will. And this is probably obvious, but just want to make sure we get the bases covered. We don't pray things that are obviously sinful. Like, you know, have the bank guards be asleep so I can rob the bank, please. Okay, we don't, we don't, we don't pray things that are obviously sinful. We pray within the, the general parameters of what God's general will is. We don't need to know God's specific will to pray in situations. We don't know that. I mean, he may tell you prophetically sometime, but usually that's not what we have. We just pray in terms of God's general will, like what Jesus laid out in the Lord's Prayer in chapter, chapter 6, right? We pray, hallowed be your name. Let your name be praised in my life, in my marriage, with my kids, in my home group, my neighborhood, my work. Let your name be hallowed. We pray that. We pray, let your kingdom come. Your saving power. Save people around me. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give me a job. Provide the money we need. Pay our bills. Help, Lord, provide financially. We pray, forgive us our sins. Lord, apply in a fresh way today the forgiveness through the cross for yesterday's sin and Thursday's sin. Forgive us our sins. And then we pray, keep us from temptation. Keep us from the evil one. Break the power of greed in me. Break the power of sin in me. Protect me from the evil one. So those are the, that's not an exhaustive list, but those are general categories of the will of God. We pray within, we don't pray things that are sinful, we pray within God's general will. Does that make sense? Fourth, we might need to pray persistently. Jesus says this in Luke 11, 8. He says, it's a parable, you'll, you'll want to read it. I tell you, even though the man at the house will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, which means persistence and tenacity and, and, and earnestness, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Persistent prayer. Now, sometimes God answers prayers in an instant. I thought of the example of Nehemiah when he's going to King Artaxerxes to present his request before him, and he just shoots up this quick prayer, God, give me favor with, the, with the, the king, and God immediately answers him. No persistence, no perseverance. Many times God will answer your prayers instantly. Other times God, uh, in his love and his goodness and his mercy, will call you to pray for something persistently over days, over years, over decades, Okay? He's God. And it's all out of love and mercy. But so sometimes we need to pray persistently. So this is what Jesus is assuming when he calls us to ask, seek, and knock. Okay, so let's get tangible. Here's what Jesus wants you to do. Here's what he wants me to do. Let's say that you uh, need a job or you long for a neighbor to be saved or maybe you're, you're convicted about greed in your life. You want to be freed from the, the sin of greed. So you got these concerns. Now picture yourself. It's like you're standing at the door of God's house. I love this knocking picture. Okay, you're standing at the door of God's house and Jesus says, go ahead. Knock. Father. Right? He says, ask, seek, knock. Father, give me a job. Please. Father, save this neighbor. Father, free me from greed. Okay? Asking, seeking, knocking. 
That's what Jesus calls you to do with whatever concern you have. Do you have a concern right now that you haven't brought before the Lord in earnest, serious, one-on-one prayer? Jesus would say, why not? Ask. Seek. Knock. That's what he's calling us to do. Are we clear on what he's calling us to do? Okay, now, why? Why should we ask, seek, and knock? Look again at verse 7. This is astonishing if you just let these words resonate in your heart. He says, ask and it will be given to you. That's the first reason. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Prayer is never a fruitless venture. Prayer is always answered. See that? It's not my words, it's what Jesus said. Why should you ask? Because it will be given to you. That's why. Why should you seek? Because every time you will find. Why should you knock? Because you will never have God not open the door. You might need to persist, okay? But he will always open the door to you and, and give you what you need. Now, at this point, some of us are thinking, and Jesus knows what he's thinking, well, okay, maybe that's true for believers, but not for me. I'm too, whatever, unimportant, insignificant, whatever it might be. And so Jesus makes it even more strong in the next verse. I I quote this verse often to myself at the beginning of prayer, because it just helps me overcome Satan's doubts and temptations. This is such a powerful promise. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So, who receives? Everyone who asks. Who finds? Everyone who seeks. And who has the door opened to them? Everyone who knocks. Everyone. Okay? Which means everyone. All right? Every time you pray, seek, and knock, you will receive. Every single time. Can we got to raise the question, what about those times when God doesn't give me what I'm asking for? You've had those times. I've had those times. Every follower of Jesus has those times. We see those times described in the scriptures. Times when you're praying in Jesus' name, fully surrendered within God's general will, and you're persisting, and what you're asking for, God doesn't give you. Years ago, Jan and I were praying for pregnancy. Okay? And we were praying, and we were praying, and we were praying in, the, in, the, in Jesus' name. We were praying fully surrendered and in God's general will, and we were praying persistently. And God said no to that. Um, and so what about those times? You've got those times, right? You have those. And I want to really unpack this passage for you because for some of you, I would guess that that no, seeming no, we'll come back to that in a moment, has given you a, a distance between you and God that this morning the Lord wants to take away. There can be disappointment. There can be unbelief that seeps in. 
There can be bitterness that can come in. So let's just raise the question straight up. What about those times when God does not give me what I ask for? What's going on at those times? Look at verses 9 and 10. Jesus says, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Any dads out there who would do that? If there are, we need to talk, okay? That's Jesus' point. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. The answer is none of, none of us would do that. None of us dads would do that. No father would do that, and God, our perfect father, would never do that. Keep reading. Verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, when you ask God for bread, give me bread, Father. If he doesn't give you bread, he hasn't given you a stone. If you ask him for fish, fish, Father. If he doesn't give you fish, he hasn't given you a serpent. He never does that. Ever. You see that? In other words, whenever you pray for anything, God never gives you something inferior to what you're asking for. Never. Never gives you something inferior. He always gives you good things, which means that when you ask him for bread, he will never give you a stone. He may give you a turkey sandwich, something better than the bread you're asking for. If you ask him for fish, he'll never give you a serpent. He may give you fresh Maine lobster. Okay? But the point is, never does he give you something inferior to what you're asking. So my implication or my conclusion from this passage is that every time you pray, in Jesus' name, fully surrendered to the Lord in his general will and you persist, you will always receive either exactly what you're asking for or something even better. Now let me tell you, give you some illustrations of this from from the scriptures. Uh, Remember blind Bartimaeus in the Gospels who, who says, Jesus, I'm blind, heal my eyes. He's asking Jesus for healing. And what does Jesus do? Jesus hears his prayer and gives him exactly what he asks for. Heals his eyes. He went from being stone blind to seeing. Jesus just spoke the word he was healed. Gave him exactly what he was asking for. And you will experience that many times when you pray. You will ask God to work and exactly what you ask for will happen. It's awesome. God is beautiful, glorious, merciful, kind. That'll happen many times. But many times, God will, instead of giving you what you're asking for, give you something better than what you're asking for. Turn to John chapter 11. I want you to see this. Powerful illustration of what Jesus does here in giving something better. John 11. That's page 897 in the Bibles that we passed out. Here's the setting. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were siblings. Mary and Martha had this brother, Lazarus. And Lazarus became very sick, seriously, critically ill. 
And so Mary and Martha sent a messenger to Jesus. And the messenger said, Jesus, Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus is, is sick, very sick. Would you come and heal him? They're asking him, come and heal Lazarus. And what does Jesus do? It's shocking when you first read it. Verse 6. So, when he, Jesus, heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Ponder that. They tell Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Come and heal him. And instead... Jesus stays two days longer where he is. Two days. Days. Doesn't it feel unloving? Doesn't it? Yes. Especially when you understand that during those two days, Lazarus dies. Feels very unloving. And so John knows that we would think that, and he goes out of his way to make sure we understand that Jesus loves Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Look at, read verses 5 and 6 together. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, this is the Greek word therefore, maybe one of the most important words in this verse here. So, because he loved them, because of verse 5, because he loved Martha and because he loved her sister and because he loved Lazarus, When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Why did he stay two days longer? It was because he loved them. They'd asked him to come and heal Lazarus, but Jesus did not come. Now, was he giving them a stone instead of bread here? Not at all. Not at all. He was giving them something better than bread because after two days Jesus did come okay and he raised Lazarus from the dead which was a beautiful display of Jesus power I mean here all these people are gathered you know remember the story Lazarus is in the tomb dead he's a corpse and here Jesus is there with Lazarus here is the worst enemy that we face which is dying And Mary and Martha and all these people get to watch Jesus as he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, speaks words that break the power of death. Break your worst enemy. And Lazarus comes forth healed. So not only do they get Lazarus back, But there's been an amazing display of the glory of Jesus Christ, which they would not have had had Lazarus not died. And so Jesus is displaying to them more of his glory. They get Lazarus and a powerful display of Jesus' glory to boot. So Jesus is not giving them a stone here. He's giving them maybe a tri-tip sandwich instead of the bread. Okay? Now one more example. Paul, Acts 28. Uh, Paul prays and asks, asks God to heal Publius' father. Heal this man. And the father gives Paul exactly what he asks for. Instantly heals Publius' father. But in 2 Corinthians 12, we see Paul asking God to remove his thorn in the flesh. And God says, uh, no. 
But he says, I'm going to give you something better. The, the weakness you experience with this thorn in the flesh, the difficulty that you have in this thorn in the flesh, will be the setting in which you are going to get to experience more of my nearness, more of my power, more of my glory, more of my presence than you could have had without the thorn in the flesh. So God hears Paul's prayer and says, I'm going to give you something better than taking the thorn in the flesh away. I'm going to allow that to stay and give you something even better than what it would have been to have that be gone. That's what Jan and I experienced okay, years ago, praying for pregnancy, and God said no. And Jan had to have a hysterectomy at 30. And then months later, we adopted Anna. Okay, And two and a half years later, we adopted Brad. And Anna and Brad have been amazing. Uh, Brad was over two days ago. We were putting seatbelts in his Mitsubishi pickup truck. And and uh, just the joke is, I'm, I'm just so unmechanical. I've never trained my son to do anything. It took us a long time. But we got him in, okay? It was a victory for the Fuller boys, all right? And Anna, Anna wants to, her, her desire this summer was to go on vacation with us. So we're going to go visit, uh, she wanted to go visit her grandparents with us. So, but God has so blessed us with Anna and with Brad. It wasn't a stone. It was tri-tip. It was turkey sandwich. It was, it was, it was wonderful. So, every time we pray in Jesus' name, full surrender, according to God's general will and persistently, he will always give us either what we're asking for, either exactly what we're asking for, or something even better. Now you might think, okay, so if he's either to do that or that, then why do I even need to bother praying? Right? Good question. Back to Matthew 7. Look at verse 7 again. This is why we need to bother praying, if you want to put it that way. That's page 812 in the Bibles, Matthew 7, verse 7. Here's why. Here's why we pray. Because Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Jesus wants us to see that asking and seeking and knocking are essential. They're, they're, they're crucial here. If we want to be given to, we must ask. If we want to find, we must seek. If we want the, the door to be opened, we must knock. And so as far as we're concerned, here's what happens every time we pray. God will either give us exactly what we ask for or something even better, which he probably wouldn't have given us had we not asked. Okay. He might, in his mercy, but as far as we're concerned, we should say, which he probably would not have given to us had we not asked. So every time you pray, every time we pray, God will either give you exactly what you ask for or something even better, which he probably would not have given you had you not asked. Now those truths have transformed my prayer life. And I've still got a lot of growing to do in prayer. Okay, I've not arrived by any stretch of the imagination, but I am praying with much more joy and meaningfulness and seeing God do beautiful things much more than I was in my early years as a Christian life because of this passage and because of that truth. Now, let's raise some questions about, about this passage and about the truth. This has got to stir some questions in your mind. 
So have at it. I mean, I, did I interpret this passage right? Am I, are you seeing what I'm saying in this text? That's the most important thing, is that you walk away seeing what the passage says, not what I say. It's the passage that's important. So is what I'm saying what the passage is saying? Do you see that there? Or questions about how do you apply this, or what does this mean? So what are some questions? We'll bring a mic to you so we can all hear the question. Yes, you, you had a very powerful prayer answered before you were praying in Jesus' name. Anybody have a thought on that one? I mean, all that I, I would just say it's his, it's his mercy, okay? Um, it's his mercy. Right? He, he, he goes way out of his way with mercy. But you weren't saved yet, and had you not repented, that might have been the last of his mercy. Right? The kindness of God leads people to repentance, Romans 2.5. Maybe that's what you experienced there. Does that make sense? How do you have hope? Yeah. You're praying. You haven't seen any answer yet. Okay, how do you have hope? Here's what I do. Um, every quote-unquote delay is a gift from God because every moment of prayer is connection with Him and coming before Him and beholding Him and fellowshipping with Him. He's, he's, he's our joy. So that's one answer. That, that keeps me hopeful. I shouldn't complain about having to pray more because what I really want is Him, right? And then I know that every minute of prayer is going to bring me greater good than had I not prayed at all, either exactly what I'm asking for or something better. I mean, that, that's, how, that's how hope comes to me. Good. Everyone who asks receives. Like I said, I started quoting that to myself when I prayed at the beginning. Lord, he said, everyone who asks receives. Help me to believe that now. Help me to pray that. It's just really, really helpful. Yes. That's so powerful. I've been learning lately about how we can sanctify sorrows, and because I've been experiencing some of that in praying for somebody, and uh, and it's, it's there's a sweet fellowship with the Lord in things that He is sorrowing about too, right? And that can be powerful. Mm, love that. I think that I'm not sure that, that that every answer will be experienced in this life. Okay, number one. Um, and that would, so that would include the one about whether somebody's saved or not. Does that answer your question? I mean, so I'm not saying that every that you will have every answer here clearly in this life. Many, 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 many of them you will, but I don't think all of them will be. Anybody? Does that make sense? Is that right? Do you agree with that? Okay. I think I think that's. But but in in the meantime, and and Janie was alluding to this, and I think. Many of us have experienced this, probably all of us, but even those times where you're praying and you haven't the answer yet, there can be such a sweet fellowship with the Lord in just praying earnestly, with tears maybe for something, and He's there. And it's it's good, even before you see any answer. Right? You've experienced this, haven't you? I mean, the Lord is our refuge, and He's our comfort, He's our strength. So that's an, that's an answer, even though it's maybe not the answer about what you're praying for. You know, I'd like us to do this. Um, I want us to pray this morning for people who have not had prayers answered and it's been hard. Okay? Why don't you guys just come on up here in the front? We want to ask God by His Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ to to be poured out upon each one who's. So make it make it clear if you want prayer or if you're giving prayer. So if, if you want prayer, raise your hand so everybody's got everybody who wants prayer has got a prayer.
be, you know, raise them real hands. Raise them real hand, Raise them real high. Raise your hands real high. Anybody who wants prayer who doesn't yet have a prayer? There's some Kosawa over here needs a prayer and and Minglan. Thanks. You guys can come around to the front too if you want to come around this side. Just make sure everybody everybody's got a prayer. Okay. Let's let's pray, Father. Thank you for these saints who have been prayer warriors. Thank you for the grace you've given to them to to labor in prayer. And it's been an expression of their trust in you. And Lord, we know you're good. And we know you're perfectly wise and abounding in loving kindness to all who call upon you. And so Lord, we... We know that the seeming delay is loving wisdom and goodness from your hand. And Lord, right now, would you comfort each one here with that truth? By your spirit, let them let them see that. Let them feel that. Lord, pour your love into their hearts, Father, please, we pray. Pour your love into their hearts right now. Comfort them. Just let them sense your arms around them. Let them feel your love being poured into their hearts by the Holy Spirit. Let them sense you saying, it's okay. I'm here. I'm good. I'm wise. I'm in control. And Lord, I pray that right now you would just remove from their hearts any hint of bitterness right now. Just lay that before the Lord. If if that's been in your heart, just lay it before Him. Any bitterness any distance between you and the Lord because of your disappointment, ask the Lord to forgive you for that. Ask Him to help you with that. I pray, Lord, that you would just build faith, strengthen faith. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who asks, receives. Jesus, thank you for speaking these words 2,000 years ago. Lord, I pray that you would bring great comfort through that promise right now. That receiving is coming. They will not be the one, the only one who didn't have prayer answered. Answer is coming. Beautiful answer is coming. Glorious answer is coming. And the timing will be perfect. So Lord, strengthen. Comfort, strengthen. Help them, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Is God bringing anybody like just prophetic words to speak out about this topic? Either those who are up here or anybody out in the congregation? Just anything else the Lord's saying about this? Steve, I think it just goes back to what Dave said this morning. It's about how good God is and how great God is. That's what we trust in His character. Yes. Before I knew God's character, I couldn't trust Him. But the once I get to know His character, I can trust Him. I can trust His character. Yes. Thank you, Paul. What else? Delays are not denials. Or just speak that to people right now. What else? Uh, Steve, Darrell? God wants to be with you in your disappointments. God wants to be with you in your disappointments. Lord, bring that right now. That in in that disappointment, feeling your love, feeling your compassion, 
that you are you're feeling their longings. Lord, do that, I pray. Yes, God. God wants bigger prayers. Thank you, Scott. Yes, Felisa. God cannot deny himself, and he wants to exhibit his glory. God cannot deny himself, and he wants to exhibit his glory. Through answered prayer. Okay. Good. Yes. Uh, I just keep getting, be careful what you wish for. Enjoy every moment in the waiting. Yes. Our answers bring change. <laughs> Enjoy every moment in the waiting. That's because every moment of waiting is a gift from God in some way. Even that is like tri-tip versus bread, okay? Yes. Okay? Yes. So, like I can't. Yes. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Yes. Tina, thank you. That's good. Anything else? This is really helpful. So, Lord, again, we pray that you'd come and you'd pour out your Holy Spirit upon each one here. And, Lord, all of us now. Father, we, we want to rise up to a whole new level of prayer. There's things you want us to pray for that, that, and, and that you will always give us either exactly what we ask for or something even better, which you would not have probably given had we not prayed. And so, Lord, help us to see the, the crucial importance of prayer. Help us rise up this week and give more time to prayer. Help prayer be more meaningful. Use these promises to motivate us in prayer. And then, Lord, let us see your glory displayed through answers to prayer. Come and do this, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.